People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Patrice King Brickman is the founder and managing director of Inspire Capital, a private equity venture firm that invests in predominantly women and minority-led businesses with social impact. Patrice is also a founder and investor of We Capital, member of Economic Club of Washington, Tiger 21, and Venture Philanthropy Partners. Patrice is one of our earliest supporters at BBNR. She's a walking partner, a great friend, and we're so happy she's joining us today on Health Gig. You've started this incredible company called Inspire Capital. So what is Inspire Capital? So Inspire Capital is a venture capital firm that invests in women and minority-led businesses. So I invest with a gender and racial lens. Which is so, so cool. It's so timely. But again, it's been in your fabric for so, so, so long. But why did you decide to formalize it? Why did you choose to focus in this area? Even though we know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I guess I would say like many of us, yourselves included, there's a deep desire to create a world that works better for everyone. So right now in this country, you know, there's a huge gender and racial wealth gap. And closing that, I think we'll just create community that we want to be with equal opportunity for all of us. So that's at the core of what we're doing at Inspire. And you often explain it and define it as power as the ability to change lives. Can you talk about that? You know, if we define power as the ability to change our own lives or or anyone's life, then other than being maybe a spiritual leader, you know, money is an enormous resource of power. And historically, and sadly still today, in this country, white men have held that power, that financial power. So if we don't begin to close that or at least tighten that gap, I think we'll never be the country that we claim to be and want to be. That is so true. And again, many of our hikes in the mornings have spent a lot of time talking about this. But what does it look like? Can you explain to our listeners what this looks like? I think it's multifaceted for certain, but it starts with women and minority-led businesses at least having access to investment capital. And, you know, with capital flowing to people really based on merit and leadership abilities versus race or gender, our current statistics, you know, remain incredibly disproportionate. As of 2021, less than 3% of all venture capital went to women. And if you are a Black or Latinx woman, the statistics are even more discouraging at less than 1%. That's almost just hard to imagine. It's unbelievable. Women and minorities are also not sitting in the investor space. Right. They haven't had the opportunity to get there is what you're saying. When you look at those statistics, just over 93% of all venture capitalists are white men. You know, so if we're not sitting at the table, I joke around that (laughs) white men will invest in a white guy in a hoodie over a qualified woman all day long. Um, (laughs) But this is a patricism. uh, But but I, you know, part of my theory is that investors inclined to invest in what they know and understand, taking intentions out of it, there could be an unconscious bias, you know, that all humans have and are susceptible to, but seems to be playing out in how investment capital flows. Right. And as you said, it makes sense. You invest in what you know. 
here, if we have all white males, they're going to invest in all white males. It only yeah. makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you say underrepresented, can you give us a definition of that? I'm using that term underrepresented founders in reference to women, but the BIPOC a community, so Black, Indigenous, and people of color, as well as the LGBTQ community. So really any people who are not, you know, the conventional group that right now is sitting in that place of representation with regards to capital. It's pretty much a white male world is it what you're talking is. about. Yeah. Yeah. In, in an area that, you know, it's ripe for change. <laughs> like really ripe to change. Well said. We always <laughs> knew you're interested in women and in minorities and your heart behind these causes and always looking for ways to help underrepresented people. But how did you officially do it? Like what's happened to make you kind of get to where you are now? I would say this probably was sparked in me almost 20 years ago, working with women at the Green Tree Shelter. Which oh, that's right. Know, yeah. That's right, yeah. right mm-hmm. here in Bethesda. And back then I was working on resumes and job applications with the women living in the shelter. And mm-hmm. I ultimately ran a job fair for homeless women for a few years because there was so much talent and they just needed access. And I might add, you were having your four children at home 20 years ago. (laughs) So if we look at a timeline, imagine, I mean, Anna was what, four? So you're doing this really as a young mom, seeing these needs. So go ahead. Sorry. Yes. No, that's so true, Trisha. And I'm with these women with their own children. And I was struck at that time with the similarities I had to these women and how much more alike we were than different. And the main difference being they lived so marginally. So there was little room for error. They didn't have the resources and social capital that we have and we were privileged to have. So one slip up or default or sick child could render them homeless and in a shelter and then everything spirals from there. So that opened my eyes to how intersectional life can be and how so many families live on the brink of instability, yet how incredibly resilient these women are, how bright and strong and given access and some opportunity and support not only could result in stability, but real success. So Patrice, why a venture capital firm? So I was running a family foundation. This is going back to 2000, probably 13 and 14. But when grant requests kept coming across my desk that seemed like obvious for-profit opportunities that could help sustain the nonprofit. But when I suggested that, I got a lot of resistance from the nonprofit. So I started an LLC and explained that I was happy to invest in them as a for-profit company, but was unwilling to grant them money because I was just frustrated. And fortunately, the project ended up being extremely successful to the organization. To this day, it still sustains them. So I figured I was onto something. And then at that point, I headed off to programs at Stanford and Harvard for finance and private equity. I learned everything I could about the field. There, I was one of nine women out of 100 at the program at Stanford, one of 11 women out of 100 at Harvard. And that's when, you know, it was really apparent how disproportionate the number of women sitting in the investor space was. And then, of course, how disproportionately the capital was flowing to women. This is what became clear that the charter of Inspire would be to invest in women. And then in 2020, it became really obvious to expand the investing to people of color also, because the inequities there are even worse. 
So you mentioned earlier about women and underrepresented founders can change the world, but can you talk a little more about that? We all know that when women achieve financial security through business ownership, they lift up the rest of the population directly and indirectly. And statistically, we know that women give back to their communities with more hours and time. They're more charitable with their dollars. They hire more women and they advocate more readily for people trapped at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. And I believe that these underrepresented founders, they see problems in the world that others overlook and consequently they create solutions that others may not envision. I would imagine it's really fun for you to be meeting these different folks that are really changing the world. What are some of the most exciting investments that you've made that you get really pumped up about? There are so many women doing exciting things. Elevest comes right to mind. That is a financial platform started by a woman named Sally Krawcheck, who was truly one of the most powerful women and people on Wall Street back when there was doing a lot of whistleblowing on Wall Street with regards to mismanagement of funds. And she was probably the lead whistleblower. She was the CEO of Citibank. And when she retired, she decided she really wanted to start a financial platform where women could invest. That's been hugely successful. She's got a billion dollars under management right now. And really, really just a neat platform. There's Spring Health, which is another company that I invested in early. And April Co. was 29. Her company actually became a unicorn. There's a couple of unicorns, actually, that I've invested in. Guild is another. It was founded by Rachel Carlson. It connects employees of Fortune 1000 corporations to Mm. programs that upskill their education and careers while they work. It was another unicorn. What is a okay, unicorn? Yeah, what is a we unicorn? We need to know. <laughs> we oh, have yeah. to know, okay? Yeah. I just keep like, imagining, you know, the unicorn. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. Well, it's, it's um, no, so a unicorn is a privately held company that is valued at over a billion dollars. So it's a startup, but then it hits a billion dollars in revenue. So I hope we become a unicorn. Oh my I gosh. I think you guys, <laughs> I tell you what, you're unicorns in my mind. That's for Thank sure. You. That Thank is you. for sure. You are unicorns. <laughs> I love the words that we've heard you say, carry as they climb. Can you talk (laughs) about that and how you use that when you talk about the people you invest in? I think women have a different leadership style than men. They collaborate differently. They mitigate risk and the fallout of their decisions. They carry their teams along with them and their successes and are quick to give credit to others where it's due. They tend to overstate less. They don't make assumptions on profit and are more straightforward about the performance. Obviously, this is the world, according to Planet Patrice, (laughs) but there's some things we do know that we have really solid statistics on from Forbes and the Harvard Business Review. Some of those straight up statistics are startups that are founded and co-founded by women generate 10% more revenue over time. Wow. Huge. Venture and private equity funds that just increase their female leadership by 5%, increase their IRR, which is internal rate of return or net profit by 4%. It's 5% increase in female leadership and and it's a game over 4% increase in net profits, which is big. This is from the Harvard Business Review. Gender balanced teams have a higher valuation overall by like more than 10%, actually. So the data we have is crystal clear. 
you know, I'm sitting here with a case in point of two women who are perfect examples, who have a successful business. Your primary focus yet is always and has always been lifting up and healing the community and quite frankly, the world. Oh, and, geez, and I've, so you know, nice. it's, but it's true. You know, I've watched you do this for almost 20 years now, and you are never concerned with people's demographics or means when you're helping them. You are centric on alleviating suffering. Oh, um, and you. it's just, it's in your DNA. And you're both modeling doing good while doing well, which I think is really the differentiator between oftentimes how men own and operate a business and how women do. God, that's so kind and sort Thank of back you. at you. Sort so of true. <laughs> so Patrice, as an early supporter of ours, you lead this incredibly busy life. How do you take care of yourself, mind, body, and spirit? Truly, I practice something that you both taught me 20 years ago. I do meditate. And that, gosh, do you remember? I mean, you guys brought me to Tara with you mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, however many years ago. And that really opened my mind. You gave me a tool to settle and have clarity. And I use it still today. And that is a BB&R gift. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So Patrice, do you have any final messages to people and something you want to end on? I would encourage people to be intentional about supporting businesses, you know, owned by women and people of color and keep in mind what it took for them to get there, which only points to how competent they likely are and how solid the business likely is. Right. I would say to be mindful that representation matters empowering marginalized communities matters, putting your money where your beliefs are matters. You two were talking about how important our vote at the cash register is in addition to our vote at the poll. And I would just say that is as true now as ever. But Patrice, this is incredible what you're doing and the difference that you're making in so many people's lives and so many, and you make an incredible case. Like you're saying, listen, let's find these women, these people that are underserved. Maybe that could be an answer, a piece of the puzzle that could maybe begin to make everything a little bit better in this world. And talk about lifting people up. That's what you do. We're inspired by it. Maybe that's why you call it Inspire Capital. Yeah, <laughs> it's a perfect name because it's so you are. inspiring. It's so inspiring. And you're so inspiring. And nobody has a more generous heart than you. That's true. So I would imagine it might be difficult because you're probably like, yeah, I want to do here. I want to do there. Oh, yeah. How, how do you uh, discern? Uh, yeah, discern. You know, I do think diligence is important. I don't do it alone. I have analysts that right. help me. I'm quite thoughtful about, you know, finding the people that I think will be successful because we need good examples. And it's true. You could really love their mission and really love what they do. But if it's not profitable and doesn't make sense, it's not good for anybody. Therefore, you're not in. Yeah, I try to stay in my lane uh, with regards to that. But I so appreciate being invited onto this amazing podcast and that we've had the opportunity to have this conversation because I do think it's an important conversation. So thank you both for lifting it up and creating space to talk about this stuff. Thank you. I'm just glad we're friends. That's me too. So proud of you. I feel (laughs) I feel the same way. You know, I think I I love to call myself your first student, and I'm I'm still your student, and I'm just blessed. Really, really blessed. 
Thank you, Patrice. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doral. Be well.